millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Loose Units and welcome to yet another hand-picked best of episode. Dad and I really, really do enjoy these. Uh, we've really had a good time picking these episodes for you. Today's episode is, uh, I would say, the most traumatic episode of Loose Units ever recorded. Um, it is actually, uh, it's one that you've all probably heard before, but the reason we're playing this one now is because the way it was told the first time is, it's a, I think it's a very important little artifact. Uh, this is the case involving the rice bubbles, Dad. Mm. Um, well, it actually didn't really involve rice bubbles, did it? No, that's, no. That's a lovely way of putting it. Yeah. And it comes, it lulls people into a sense of, you know, I want to really just have a bowl of rice bubbles. And but you won't. No. Ever. Um, no. I mean, this story, it, it's technically an industrial accident. And in fact... Uh, there's a handful of episodes snuggled, I believe, between seasons two and three, where we talked about Dad's time in work cover. But this was a forensics period. Yeah, yeah. Case. When I was in um, uh, in fingerprints, and I had to go to the uh, the morgue mm-hmm. in, in Glebe, and it's something we have discussed, um, you know, on podcast and in live shows. Yep. And there's a particular part of this podcast where you will all ponder and ask yourselves a question to which I still to this day cannot answer. This one's not a fun one, people, but we think it's an important one. So please, I'd say enjoy, but maybe appreciate the cases we try and forget. Hey folks, this episode contains stuff of an incredibly graphic and triggering nature. So I just wanted to give you a heads up before you went in. If you feel like you're not feeling up to it this week, that's cool. Maybe tune in next week. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units. And then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff. Actually, things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Loose Units Season 2, Electric Blue, the true crime podcast where me, Paul Verhoeven, talks to my dad, an ex-cop from the 80s. That's my dad across from me, right? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Brilliant. Are you having fun? Yeah, love it. Yeah? Love it. 
<laughs> no, no, seriously, I actually love it. Yeah, I know. But uh, it's traumatic. And yeah, so mildly. You're, you're dying on the inside, but yeah. that's okay. Well, look, obviously, last week we talked about a cat burglar's. Um, I guess tumble is a pretty nice mm. way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that's that qualifies as levity. So I think it's about time to dive back into the dark stuff. Mm. So you um, you gave me a meaningful look before and said that you have quite a few pretty messed up cases for this week's episode. Yep. Yep. So um, where do you want to start? Well, how about I'll start with uh, a case I was involved in. Uh, it's a... Uh, it, I'm not going to talk about it for a long time because it's fairly, fairly brief. So, look, I'll just tell you a few cases where I had to go to the morgue when I was in fingerprints. Well, I was actually thinking, because we're talking about fingerprints now, mm, yeah. um, you were in, um, in uh, what was it called? Relief and Assist? That was scientific. But then I went on, because I, I could never get the gig full time. It was just so, the guys that were there, would I knew they'd die there. And they were, they, they were not old guys. They, you know, two of the guys were in their 30s. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have to wait a long, long time. So I thought, I, I, I still want to get involved. I wasn't really turned on by ballistics. I could have gone into that section. Sure. But the firearm gun thing wasn't really my scene. Mm. And then I thought, what else can I do in the New South Wales Police Force that's sort of forensic related where I'll get to go to major crime and, and really help be at the pointy end, help investigate, help help solve crime. And then I thought, wow, fingerprints. So the Central Fingerprint Bureau in Australia mm. happened to be uh, in Sydney, and it was. Uh, and I went for a couple of interviews, and I was fortunate enough to become, you know, a trainee fingerprint technician. Yeah. Now, just tell me what, because most people don't really know anything about fingerprinting and how it works beyond the, the you know, the kind of cinematic TV tropes where someone kind of gets your hand and rolls it across an ink pad and then dumps it on a page. But how does it? Finger- Look, fingerprints are so so. They are fascinating. So how does a fingerprint identify? How do you identify somebody based right, well, on let's, the let's get down to basics. Great. So with the human... Oh, look, humans are not the only living creatures to have fingerprints. So could you not technically get like a monkey's fingerprints I, and plant well, them at the scene of a crime? Uh, well, you know, I, primates do have uh, fingerprints. Huh. Here's the thing. For the system to be infallible... Yes. No two sets of fingerprints in the world can be the same. You can imagine if you had identical fingerprints, the whole system overnight would be thrown out. Right. Obviously. So, even identical twins have different fingerprints. Now, there's something that I've been thinking about over the last few years, which is pretty scary, and I've never heard it discussed, but here's here's a little bit of a, a curved ball, and that is that once we are successful... In cloning, mm. I believe the fingerprint system will be thrown out overnight because cloned humans will have identical fingerprints. They have to. You could get like a kind of barcode or something kind of popped on yeah, there. Yeah, but th- think about it. No two fingerprints are the same until you clone. Right. But that's an aside. But I, I just, that's how, that's one of the thoughts that I've had over the years, which is fairly, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but back to fingerprints. Please. So if you get your fingers and you rub your thumb over your fingers and then you get your fingers and then you rub them on your forehead, mm-hmm. they will be pretty oily. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you then get those same uh, fingers yep. and touch some glass, there's a bottle over there in front of you, yep. and just touch it nicely and then remove your... And you've left latent fingerprints. And what does latent mean? Um that they've, that they've been left at the... Oh, you don't know, do you? Oh, shit. <laughs> I'll have to look that one up. Latent. Anyway, look, it just means that 
left at the scene of le- left somewhere. You've left a print somewhere. That's a latent print. I mean, that's the Greek definition, at least. Stammering on. Yeah, I'm a little worried on. now. Uh, look, yes, yeah, so I've got the bottle here, and yep. this is an actual prop, and I'm looking at it, holding it up to the light, and yeah, there's a there's a pretty no, clean it's amazing. fingerprint. And then if I was to <clears throat> take out a magnifying glass, yep. I could look at those prints, and I could I could tell you what type of patterns because they're within the realm. So from the first joint to yep. the tip of the finger, mm. that's the area that is. Um, you know, categorized. Yeah. And within every human being, do you know how many patterns there are? Overall patterns? No. There are ten. There are ten patterns. And they use these patterns. So some of the patterns are like walls, loops, arches. And then within all those so in that first joint, you might have perhaps up to maybe three hundred and fifty, four hundred what are called points of identification. Sure. And in, in Australia, you we only need twelve points for a conviction. So if I can find 12 points at the scene of a crime and match them up with the 12 points on your fingerprint that you have given to the police that you your inked copy, yeah. then that's 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 good enough for the court. So you can place someone at the scene of a crime uh, if you can kind of get that many points lined up. Correct. Okay. But the problem, not the problem, but one of the weird things is that when I was in the fingerprint section, we used to be able to remove fingerprints. How's that? So we mean? could actually use, like sticky tape, for example, but a little bit more advanced than that. Yeah. And I could t- remove your fingerprints off um, that bottle there. And here's the scary thing. I could put them at another crime scene. That's How? rather depressing, isn't it? How? By just re- s- removing them with some sticky stuff here yep. and then taking them to another crime and just just sticking them down and they then appear on another object, which is pretty damning. But then there are experts that will give evidence to hopefully say, well, we believe that they've actually been tampered with and, and moved, perhaps. But that's that's a bit of a scary thing. Okay, so in the movies where, let's say, they will pop a little piece of tape on a bottle or whatever, get a print, yeah. and then put it on like a fingerprint scanner, you reckon that would actually work? Definitely. Oh! Yeah, so you've got to be, you still rely on the honesty of humans and the integrity. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck with that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so um, you've got your fingerprint. What... Did you feel like you had to offer the the world of fingerprinting that other people did not? Did you, did you ever bring? Did you bring anything new to the table? I did. I, I, I was involved in some really, really uh, fairly cutting edge. Uh, I won't say research, but I had a few interesting ideas of my own later down the track. That actually, uh, one of them I wrote a bit of a paper on, scientific paper, mm. which is very exciting. But we'll get to that later. Sure. Um, but look, once you did all your basic training, you'd go out on the road with uh, experts, and yep. you'd get to see how they worked and. You know, how they lifted prints off certain things, you know, motor cars, the different types of compounds that we'd use. And, you know, you can get fingerprints off, believe it or not, soil. Uh, there was what? A, yeah, there was a rape uh, where a, a, a guy raped this woman and he, as he was raping her, he had his hands either side of her body in, in soil. And it was obviously fairly fine soil, but yeah, they, they managed to get prints off the soil, which Damn. is amazing. Um, and there was a really, really famous, there's a very uh, interesting case where there was a truck travelling from Sydney to Perth, and this is a story that I don't think many people will know, and they were carrying, amongst other things, they were carrying a very large batch of superglue. And this truck travelled across Australia, 5,000 kilometres, and when it arrived in Perth, they opened up the back of the truck and they realised that, because uh, there, there were also these packages that were wrapped in black plastic, and the guys looking at the black plastic and realised that the superglue had burst open and it had created this uh, superglue kind of gas, like a highly toxic vapour. Mm. And the vapour had exposed and, uh, imagine, highlighted in white all the fingerprints 
on the black plastic. And there started the process of using... So we used to, uh, if ever we had plastics that were fairly difficult to get prints off, we used to get a fish tank, like improvising, in our laboratories in the city, and we would suspend plastic from the scene of a crime, mainly to do with drugs. You can imagine wrapping heroin and all that sort of stuff. And we would expose, we'd have a a Petri dish, and we'd have about maybe 10 containers. We'd squeeze the containers of superglue into the Petri dish, and then we'd have the plastic from the proceeds of crime hanging on these, like a kind of like a clothesline within these fish tanks and then we'd seal the top of the fish tank and we'd come back 24 hours later you'd pull the plastic out and bob's your uncle full full print full prints on the plastic that have been exposed due to the i mean there's a classic example of something amazing that's used in crime uh fighting that was discovered by accident don't you find that fascinating? That's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And That's so amazing. That, and then there was another process where we used to expose paper yeah. to what's called the ninhydrin process, which is like this purple dye. And you'd kind of you'd waft it over these prints and it reacted to the oils. And, it, and we used to get fingerprints off paper. Really, really interesting stuff. And that wow. was used in bank card and credit card fraud. Could you fingerprint someone's toes? Definitely. I mean, people's toe prints aren't typically on the scene. But no, uh, but if there was a toe print and you had a suspect, you could then ink the toe yeah. and then do a comparison, Huh? which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but I guess at the at the coalface where I worked, um, they used to come through uh, fingerprints once you were well qualified and they used to come around and it was like a daily roll call where they'd come through and say, we have a body at the morgue, who'd like to go? And I pretty well always volunteered. Mm. So I got a bit of a reputation because I found it... It's uh, a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> no, no, no. Was, I found it really, really challenging. Right. I, 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 and I thought it was really, really important because there are lots of people out there that are desperate to find out you know, who their missing relative may be, particularly if it's a, the scene of a horrendous accident. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll, I'll tell you a few li- fairly quick little stories, sure. anecdotes, if you like, um, of things that I was involved in that are absolutely beyond surreal. Great. Um, Feel free to draw these out, by the way. Don't feel okay. like you need to rush yeah, through yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first one, uh, on a Friday afternoon in Sydney, there was um, a mother, father, son and daughter. Yeah. Now, the son and daughter were in their uh, late teens, early 20s, mm-hmm. and the parents, I guess, would have been perhaps in their late 40s, 50s, and they pulled up in Elizabeth Street. So this is round about 1983, uh, and they parked. And the son got out of the car, and it's a Friday Arvo, and he goes into the bank. So, so far, that's not spectacular. Yep. He comes back, and he sees the car that he'd got out of is now six inches high. What's that, 12, 15 centimetres high? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the conversion is not what I'm thinking about right cool. now. And you know how he knows it's his car? The number plate. So, the car that had been a normal car that he'd got out of and still had his mum and dad and sister in, mm. uh, was now the height of a number plate. If you could explain how that happened, I'd be very grateful. Cool. There was a construction site and it had a massive concrete slab and the crane and the wires, the steel cable broke and the slab came down perfectly. It was pretty well the size of a car and it just landed on top of the car and squashed the car with his mum and dad and sister still in, they were in the car. I'm assuming they would have died instantly. Without a doubt. And not known what was happening. Nothing. No idea. You'd be... Gone no, in a no suffering, basically. Nothing. But he was he suffered. Well, yeah. So, so then they managed to, through a process that I'm not familiar with, 
they managed to extract three uh, three groups of uh, body material. Yeah, you can imagine what it was like. It was like minestrone soup that had gone through a blender. You're a big fan of uh, Italian food in these metaphors, yeah, aren't you? And uh, so I was called to the morgue at Glebe, and I was given three black plastic bags, and inside each plastic bag was a sort of a gelatinous slurry slurry of, of basically yeah you can imagine it yep. was pretty pretty awful and it was my job to identify the remains of these three people now you might say well hang on a sec look we know it was the mum dad and sister but no we don't well because in a previous episode you said that you actually had to have a coroner like confirm that a skeleton correct was dead so i'm guessing this industry doesn't have any well you can't room. have Okay, here's a classic. In America, there was a guy driving across a bridge. Mm. He had his window down an inch. He got shot in the head. And then he had a car accident. Right. And it was a multiple fatality. Yeah. So to everyone involved in the fatality, what's happened? Oh, he fell asleep. He, he went to the wrong side of the road. No, no, no. He was shot. So that's why during the post-mortem, they figure, hang on a sec, there's a bullet in his brain. Right. And then you work back. So you can never, ever assume. So what, what happens if... Um, they were drugged and they were they couldn't get out of the way. Or, or, or look, you just need to know that yeah. they are who they are. Of course. But, but then I can see your next question is, what if they don't have a criminal record? How am I going to do it? What do you think I'll do? I don't know. Find a, find a medium? As in a... Like a psychic? No. Get it a what about the bag? What about I go to their house and I dust all their personal objects sure like i go into the mum and dad's room mm. and i go to the dressing table and i see a brush or a comb or a toothbrush and i dust it and i lift prints from that yeah then i go back and i compare them with the prints i find now this is pre-dna testing yeah yeah right so can i ask what it's like to go into the house of somebody who is in a bag three suburbs away like is there a certain sense of like well because i mean it's got to be sad like that a house is full of memories of a yeah. person that's there it's full of momentum this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
So well, I don't really know the people. I know, but like if it would, and I'm a professional. I'm going in with a, with the sole purpose yeah. of dusting some prints, and I'm, it's a challenge. I'm not judging you. I'm just curious as to what it's like from a like um, an emotional perspective. Did you did you think about? I think melan- melancholic would be a good word. Sure. Okay. Okay. I'm on my own. Ah, uh, that wouldn't help. You know, I'm in someone's house. Yeah. There might be a general duties police officer or someone that's let me in, maybe a relative. Yeah. And I'm trying to establish, uh, you know the identity of these three but but more not more interestingly but i've then got to sift through everything in the in the bags so how do i do that um i open up the bag mm. and they're on like a gurney yeah and i look inside and i see numerous bits of you know stuff yeah and i have to sift through that to try and locate some epidermis that i believe is perhaps from a finger sure and that's the, that's the process in a nutshell. Okay, so that's the first little fun hang, story. The hang second, on, hang on, hang on, yep, hang on. Yep, yep. You haven't told me how you did it. Well, I just pulled out bits of skin and sort of tried to put together, you know. But we we had an idea. I didn't need to do a full reconstruction of all the hands, you know. I didn't need to because we knew where they lived, and I knew that I could go and I only needed some some ideas of you know, is that a thumb, is that a um, you know a pointer, an index, a ring, a little. So you know, you ended up identifying them. Yeah. Yep. Um, and really, really satisfying. Good, good work. Yeah. I mean, what happens to the builders? Are they liable in any way oh, for this? Or I, I've got no idea. Okay. You know, that's. I don't. I do not think about stuff like that. Right. You know, you can't, because the second story uh, was a very, very quite, well, quite a famous story. Um, I was debating on whether or not I should tell you the story, but it was. Um, it received. Australian-wide publicity on 60 Minutes. Oh, sure, okay. Uh, which is a show that I don't particularly like. Gotcha. Um, but it was a story they did. Now, I I would like to actually say to the listeners that this story is pretty bad, but I'll tell it to you um, as nicely as I can. But it'll I mean, give you some insight into how the processes work behind the scenes and what we as fingerprint technicians used to have to do, not on a day-to-day basis, but you know, every few weeks... Every month or so, you would have to do something that was pretty, pretty heavy duty. And I don't think I've ever told you this, but I'll, I'll lay it on you. Well, I mean, I've popped a trigger warning up the front of this, but yeah, just everyone. Again, our general philosophy with the show is: if you are struggling, don't feel bad about it. You don't have to soldier mm. on. You're look, more than welcome to This story is really, really fucked up. Okay, but and look, I'm very, very aware of. Um, I'd hate. Look. I guess what I wouldn't like to happen is that the family of this particular boy to hear this story. So I'm hoping that, you know, perhaps it's been a long time ago. But feel, free to, feel free to, like, obfuscate any details you feel. No, well, you, you need the details because it's it, it's part of the story and and, and, and it really puts things in, into, uh, it gives it great, um, you know, credibility, this particular story. Yeah. So there's a 16-year-old apprentice. So he's just started an apprenticeship with, uh, which is a company we all know, makes cornflakes, but they also make rice bubbles. And, Paul, do you know how a rice bubble is made? Uh, they get rice, and I'm assuming they're subjected to great heat, profit full of air. Well, they, they expose it to superheated steam, and that pops. Because you, you know how you can pop corn? Yeah. Everyone pops corn, but yeah. rice does the same thing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, yeah. So perhaps if you stuck rice in a microwave, I'm not sure, and coated it in perhaps an oil, it might pop. And it pops into a rice bubble. Mm. So there's this young apprentice. He's 16. He's just started at, at this company that makes rice bubbles. And he, what they what they did, they had these, they're called a kettle. And they're like a huge um, pressure vessel. And they fill them up with rice. And then at a certain point during the process, they then... 
uh, introduce superheated steam yeah. into this vessel and it pops all the rice. Gotcha. And hey, presto, you've got a rice bubble. Mm. So, this guy, he's uh, told to go into this machine to do whatever, some maintenance, because he was doing an apprenticeship in yeah. um, sort of some maintenance field of, of engineering. Yeah. And what happens is up the line, uh, they tag the line. So, they put these sort of um, these labels on the, ta- on the line to, to, to warn people that there's someone working down line. So, this guy's inside the kettle. It's a big thing, probably as big as this studio. Okay, so a couple of metres squared. Yep, and, sure. and fairly high, cylindrical, made of stainless steel. Might have an inspection, like a, like a submarine hatch with glass, so you can look inside to see how the process is coming along. Okay. And he's inside, and someone up the line uh, hadn't tagged the, the line, and they let a whole lot of superheated steam into the kettle. <sighs> there were no rice bubbles in the machine. Just him. And he basically blew up. He, he pretty well... Now, what happened was uh, he was burnt beyond... Well, you can imagine the burns were horrendous, but they're not uh, charcoal black uh, sort of, you know, where you, where your body sort of goes black and sort of like in a fire. Yeah, yeah. He was hit with steam. Now, steam burns um, are a, a different type of burn. So his body went um, sort of electric pink, the whole body. And he screamed out, as you can imagine. I mean, imagine being trapped inside this vessel and you're basically being steamed. You know how, have you ever poured a, a cup of tea and the steam just comes up and just, just touches your fingers? It's, yeah. it's really bad. Mm. But his whole body was, was basically shrouded in, in this, not just normal steam, but superheated steam. And he screams and they, they manage to get him out of this kettle and he's alive. And they call the paramedics and the poor paramedics come in and there's this boy and he has literally um, doubled in size because he's the, the fluids inside him are wanting to escape. And it's like, it's just, you can't imagine what it's like. So what the paramedics have to do is that they, they use a blade um, and they cut all his primary muscles to release the fluids. So they cut his femur, like the leg um, muscles and the arm muscles to release everything. Because he's literally rock hard, like a like a super hard balloon, like taut, yeah, taut, and the skin's sort of ready to basically explode. So they they sort of need to relieve, and he's still alive. And it's 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 terrible. So this kid, sixteen year old, would be totally totally aware of what's going on, and that'd be pretty bad. And the the poor paramedics are working on him. And they uh, they had to stick a because um, his airways and everything expands, so he can't breathe. So they uh, they stick this um, uh, device down into his lungs to to sort of help him breathe. And then at a certain point in time, he passes away. So I the coroner now he had um, a wallet on him, yeah. Um, but he um, you know the coroner says, well, we're not going to accept that, even though everyone knows it's him. We need to fingerprint him. So that's when I come in. Okay, so did you think, are you thinking the story is pretty bad so far? It's pretty bad. Yeah, so it's it's going to go to the next level now. So I get I get to go to the morgue and I'm confronted with this young guy, 16-year-old, with the most incredible steam burns and they've got the huge um, like lacerations to his major muscle groups mm. to basically open him up and you can almost see the bones 
And they've got all the things that the paramedics did to try and save his life, all the tubes, the cannulas, every single thing they did to him. What they do, they don't remove everything, they cut everything so that the coroner can see what was done. Because also you've got to consider that you have to make sure that the paramedics, perhaps what they did, didn't contribute to the death. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, Like a paper trail, kind of. Everyone needs to know what had been done up to the point he died. So when I come in... I'm looking at all this, and I realised that I had to fingerprint this guy. Okay, warning, this is bad, What's, what happens next? I realised, because I'm by myself, and I realised what I had to do. Now, this is kind of going into the into the dark world of forensics and fingerprints. So, I realised that what I had to do was pretty bad, which I'll come into in a sec, but I realised that I couldn't do it by myself. So, I called, I went out to my car... And I put through a call to the Central Fingerprint Bureau and I asked for a colleague to come down. So I waited for about maybe 20 minutes, half an hour. And my colleague came in and he he um, brought with him all the stuff we needed. So he brought like an ink tray, um, a tube of fingerprint ink, some papers, like some fingerprint forms. And um, we laid out the fingerprint forms um, as though they were in a police station. So when the police fingerprint you, there's a very um, sort of standard process used. So you ink the person's fingers, but the person's alive in a station. And the constable kind of puts the ink on the tray and you roll it across and you roll it over the white paper and you get these amazing and then you do the palm prints to make sure that all the fingers are actually in order. But we had to do that with this young guy. Now, what happened was because of the extreme nature of the injuries, his body was weeping. Um, so fluid was just coming through every pore in his um, skin, all over his body. So we decided to get a scalpel and we had to cut around his wrists and we pulled on each uh, fingernail. And what we did, and we did it really, really well. Like this is one of these things that you learn how to do it, but to actually do it and it works is pretty amazing. And we actually degloved the young boy so we ended up with two perfect gloves so we have his total imagine well they're like plastic or rubber gloves haven't they been distended because of the pressure aren't no, they no, they're aren't perfect they, they're no, not... they, they weren't, weren't damaged in the slightest okay and also when we pulled uh, the gloves off the nails came with them so it's pretty it's pretty bad but you're very professional and you're trying not to sort of think about... You're trying to be very focused on, on your job. Which and, re- is and, try res- and, and respectful as and, well. And respectful. Yeah. And you're working in an environment that's very... So it's a medical environment. It's very clean. It's very... It's very, it's, it's highly illuminated. It's, you know... And, and I remember the policeman, the, the fingerprint guy that I worked with. He's a terrific guy and we're working together. And then here's, here's the, the, the bit that's probably going to really upset quite a few people is that one of us then had to get our colleague to put the gloves on us. So you actually slide your hand into the deceased's gloves. I think I'm going to throw up. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. But this is what happens. Whose hand was it? Was it yours? I'm I'm pretty sure you'd remember that. Yeah, you know what? I I think I blocked it out. I'm not quite sure. But one of us had to put the gloves on perfectly. And then the other guy then patted dry because there's no more uh, moisture because they sort of dry up a little bit. And then we go through the process. And one of us fingerprints, goes through the whole process of fingerprinting the other, and we, we come up with a perfect set of prints. And then we take the gloves off, the human gloves, uh, leave them with the, the deceased, and then we go back to the 
Central Fingerprint Bureau and we uh, we we do a search. We classify and then search and, of course, he wasn't known. And you know what that means? We had to go to the home of the young boy to dust personal effects of him to identify him. So, And this guy had a wallet with a photograph of him in his back pocket. So you knew it was him, but, but you had to... Knowing it. it was him and... Not good enough for the courts. Well, there'd have been some other kid who stole his wallet, or I mean, oh, yeah, good point. Any you can't have any wiggle room. You're right. Any. You're right. So how's that for? A, is that a is that a messed up story? It's the single worst thing you've ever told me on this show. Yeah, and you've told me some very bad things on this show. Mm. And I don't think you're a bad person for telling it. And I don't think it's a bad thing you told me. I just think it's like, hey, these things happen. No one, no one really thinks. No one thinks about. So it. I draw you, I draw, draw you and the listeners back to this salient point. Mm. Next time on the radio and the TV, when all of you out there hear the words "police are endeavouring to identify that particular person," that's what it's about. Something like that is happening in a room somewhere. Somewhere. That is really disturbing. Um, let's put a pin in that story for now. But I'd like to close out with a question. Um, from our very own Derek Myers, who runs these studios. Uh, We promised him we'd answer his question. Derek asks, did you watch Quincy ME and say, ha, that's not how how it really is? Yeah, I did. That specific show? Quincy was, that was laughable. (laughs) I mean, if you want to watch a good forensic show, watch um, uh, Sherlock. Really? The modern one. You mean elementary? Love it. Elementary is really clever, criminally underrated, brilliant, an absolute joy. I know a lot of people think the gender flipped thing is crap, but honestly, it's an incredible show about mm. addiction and about uh, you know friendship. And yeah, they do some weird crime mm. shit in that mm. show. Um, I've just watched for the second time mm. the documentary on Ted Bundy, right? And I'll tell you what, <sighs> seriously bad guy. Yeah, uh, charismatic and evil. I'd like to ask you in a future episode whether you ever encountered anyone like oh. that. <laughs> They're out there. All right. Well, we can deal with that in a future episode if you like. But I mean, just just as a quick kind of like spoiler, did you have you encountered charismatic criminals? Is that a thing? Yeah, I worked with some of them. What do you mean you worked with some of them? That's that's exactly what I said. You worked with criminals, police. Are you gonna? Name names? You're joking, aren't you? But I worked with some psycho police. Really? Yeah, you know that. There's a few intense people in the book. There's a few scary people in the book. But no one who I would regard as a psychopath. A psychopath is a person that is uh, devoid of any... Uh, it's it's Look, it's a, it's a whole new... Uh, yeah, I, I was led to believe psychopaths actually um, cannot feel... No, but they can learn. But yeah, so they can't feel emotion, but they are really good at faking it. So oh. they they learn how to mimic human emotion and mm. manipulate people because they actually because they can't engage emotionally. Mm. They don't feel any pity or remorse. Yeah. I sat opposite a psychopath once, and I actually uh, I don't believe in the devil, but I'll tell you what, this guy was the devil incarnate, yeah. and you just knew it's it's something else. They, think- you know, it's it's. It's freaky. I've heard it said before that hell is other people, and I think well, sometimes I've been, that's true. I've been into a lot of um, you know mental institutions, mm. psych- psychiatric institutions, and yeah. I've you know because we used to um, schedule people and to go into um, an asylum back in the eighties. It was it was one flew over the cuckoo's nest. 
but real. Jesus and it Christ. was, you know, it was uh, it was like a zombie movie on speed. You know, they'd come up and they're all medicated. Yeah. And they'd come up and they just, they were drawn to the police uniform. And they just sort of, and they'd, it was like, and they were sort of moving slowly and dragging their feet and they'd be sort of rubbing their hands all over you. And it was just, and there'd be, you know, women in, in these institutions that had just stripped down, take their nighties off and just sort of parade around. And it was, you know, it was just intense. And then you had to go sort of back and go home that night. And it's just, it's trippy. Yeah. I think this podcast is really opening my eyes, and I, I assume it's opening your eyes, listeners, as well. Uh, well, look, sadly, that's all the time we have for this very, very disturbing episode of Loose Units 2 Electric Blue. If you're feeling triggered or freaked out or shaky or anything, um, please, you know, have a chat with someone, have a lie down, you know, just, just take whatever time you need um, to give yourself some distance, because I, for one, am feeling a little bit shaky. It's Father's Day next week, and to celebrate, we are hosting a special Father's Day show this week, okay? We are doing a Father's Day show this week, Friday night at the Toff in town. For more information, and if there's any, even any tickets left, all you have to do is head across to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash loose units. Thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next week. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.